Today's daf is daf Lamites. All right, we are up to uh, the second line on Lamites. I'm at Aleph 39a. We're up to Amar Rava. Second line on the daf. And the Gemara is discussing additional places where one must be careful not to pause in the middle of a statement involving HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name. Otherwise, it seems like a disconnect. For example, what we ended off yesterday's daf was that when one is reciting halal, one should not say, Baruch Haba, B'Shem Hashem, with Hashem's name. Because people aren't going to notice that the Baruch Haba is connected to B'Shem Hashem. All right? So on that line, on that, uh, you know, with that line of thought, Rava kicks in with a additional situation. Amar Rava, second line from the top of Lama A person should not say, Amen, Yehei, Shemei, Rabba, Mavarach. And then say Mavarach later. Rather, Ella, Yehishme Rabba Mavarach Badadi. Make sure to say Yehishme Rabba Mavarach should be blessed Badadi. This way, there's no, uh, there's no concern that you're mentioning Hashem's name individually on its own. Amalei Rashafer, Tzavzes Rabba, Maisha Shapir Ka'amrit. Maisha, are you saying correctly? Now, Rabba's name was not Maisha, but we know Maisha was the Torah leader of Klai Yisrael. So Rashafer is calling Rabba Maisha. To tell him that even though I'm about to argue on you, I respect you like Maisha Rabbeinu. Maisha Shaprakamr, are you saying correctly? Are you saying the right thing? No, Elohasam Bahacha, both by Baruch Haba B'Shem Hashem and by Yeheshme Rabba Mavarach, Asuke Milsahu Veles Lamba. Even if you pause, it can't be a long pause, the Mepharshim say, but even if you pause, it's going to be clear, or at least people should realize that everything does go together. Yehishmi Rabba, Mavarach, or Baruch Haba, B'Shem Hashem. People pause in the middle of their sentences. There's no problem with, uh, with any sort of pause. Again, not if you stop for a minute. Probably not even if you stop for 20 seconds. But if you, uh, if you pause like a person pauses while they're in the middle of a sentence, it's going to be okay. Period. End of that Gemara. One more short Gemara. Makam Shanagu Lichba. We said that uh, in Halal, there are numerous psukim that are doubled over. It's repeated twice. Which psukim are repeated twice? And they said, if the, if the minog in your place is to say these psukim twice, you should. Which psukim are repeated? Tana, we learned in the Braisa, Rebbe Kaifel Badvarim, Rebbe Allah ben Prata, Maisif Badvarim. Rebbe would repeat double. Rebbe would double words, okay? And Rebbe Allah ben Prata added on to which psukim in Hallel are doubled. Now, previously we learned that from Ona Hashem HaShiyana, that said twice. Ona Hashem HaTzichina said twice. Baruch B'Hashem HaShem said twice. So on and so forth. Till the end. All those psukim are said twice. Rabbi Loz Ben Prata adds on to which psukim are said twice. Additional psukim. My Maisif, which psukim are added? So this is what we do practically when we recite Hallel Amar Abaye, Maisif Lichva Mei Aitcha. Ulemata. He starts from the psukim of Aitcha. Right, starting from Aitcha, and then Eben Mosu Abaynim. Eis Hashem Eisazay Zehayim. On Hashem, starting from Aitcha already, he started doubling up the psukim. If that's the minhag in your place to recite Halal in that way, one must do so. Okay. Then the Mishnah said, not only do you double over psukim, but additionally, um, there were different minhagim about whether to end off halal, as we're about to see, with a bracha. We say, right? 
we say a bracha baracha to Hashem melech v'lo batish b'chais. That was not the established as part of the mitzvah of halal. If you have a custom, if there's a minute to end off halal like that, there's a minute levarich yevarich. You're obligated to make the bracha. And Abaye clarifies, Amr Abaye, Abaye says, we're dealing with the bracha at the end of halal, of the fun of mitzvah levarich. But to say the opening bracha, that everybody holds, you're obligated to recite the bracha prior to the mitzvah of halal. Why? The Yom Ravid Ramashmuel says, Whenever you do a mitzvah, the bracha is said over the performance. Now, it doesn't mean over, like the English word, it means over. Yeah, you got to say a little yeshivish over here. Yeah? Over lasiyasa. Now, over lasiyasa means prior to, beforehand. You have to make a blessing beforehand. How do you know that over? Over really means like pass. See, I know over means in front of. You got to do it in front of that. The Gemara is going to clarify this. You got to make a blessing over lasiyasan. Umay mashma dahai over lishto lakduma. You didn't know over means you do it beforehand. When he was going to deliver a message to David Amalek, he ran in front of the Kushi. You see, Vayavar means in front of. And Abai has a different proof. Abai Amar Mehachah, he says, Iver, Lasiyasan. The word Iver means beforehand, in front of. I have a different proof because it says, that Yaakov Avinu stood in front of his. Uh, mishpacha, in front of his family when he was going to greet Esav, he went in front of them. You see the word Iver means prior, in front of. You buy say you even have another pasuk that proves that Iver means in front of. Vayavar Malcolm Lefnehem Vashem Bereisham. The king goes in front, uh, the, the king goes ahead with HaKadosh, uh, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in front of everybody. This is talking about the Maisa Mashiach. In the times of Mashiach, Mashiach, the anointed one, our king, is going to return us and lead us back to, uh, from our Golos, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, will already be in front of us, will already be in the location in Eretz Yisrael. Beautiful. Okay. So, bottom line, what are we coming out with to, to uh, get this last point after the, the proofs is everybody agrees there's a mitzvah before reciting Halal. There are two customs, however, about whether to end Halal with a bracha. And if you're in a place where the, where the minig is to end with a bracha, one must do so. If the minig is without a bracha, you don't end with the bracha. Period. End of that Gemara. Which leads us to the next mission. Okay. We're now at the mission about two-thirds of the way down on Lamed Tess, Amud Aleph. Very fascinating Mishnah. And uh, this Mishnah and the remainder of this daf, going on to tomorrow's daf, is going to involve us in Hilchah Shemitah. Okay. Shemitah. Shemitah year is starting for us, right? Baldik, big mitzvah of Shemitah in Eretz Yisrael. So, the Mishnah is going to handle, we're going to deal with. What do you do with the Dalid Minim, the four species, the Lulav, Hadassim, Aravas, and the Esrug, when it has the holiness, the sanctity of Shemitah? What's the problem? Let's talk outside for a few moments. There's a couple issues. First of all, you're not allowed to do business with Shemitah produce unless, the Gemara is going to tell us, unless, there, there is times where it is permitted to do business with Shemitah produce. If it's very limited, 
and you know that the money that you're paying to purchase the produce is also going to be handled with Kedusha, with sanctity. Okay? So it's not that Shemitah produce can never be used for a business, trans for a transaction. You may. But if I sell you something that has the holiness of Shemitah, and you give me in return $10, that $10 has holiness of Shemitah. And you're only allowed to give me that $10 if you know that I'm going to treat that $10 with holiness. An exclusion to this would be an Amaret. Somebody's ignorant and doesn't really know how to use the, um, the holiness of Shemitah. Produce that have the holiness of Shemitah appropriately. So then you, Lachora, can't even purchase their Shemitah produce in small amounts. Okay? Now... Another problem that could come up, in addition to the seller not being not dealing with the money properly, is as we're going to see, um, it's also forbidden to purchase in small quantities from a amaaret seller, an ignorant seller, if it's going to encourage that seller to sell in larger quantities. If this guy sees that he could sell to me for ten dollars and sell the next guy for ten, and it's gonna, he could turn this into a nice money-making business, where he's not only going to sell ten dollars to me, but he's going to sell ten dollars to ten different people. Then even I'm not allowed to buy it in small quantities, because I'm now being a cause of greater, um, of greater forbidden shmita sales. Okay. Very interesting stuff over here. All right. There's a little, few more factors, but we'll come across them as we get involved in the Gemara. All right. Zok the mission. Halekeach lulav mechaveroi bishviyas. I'm going to translate this in context. One who purchases a lulav, hadas, and arava. From, says Rashi, an ignorant person. During Shemitah. Now all the Mishnah said, all the words were, when you buy a lulav from your friend during Shemitah. But the way to understand, as we're going to see in the Gemara, what the circumstances are, is you're purchasing the lulav or hadasim or ravas, or all three together, during Shemitah, from an Amaretz. No sinlo esrog b'matan. The halacha is, you can buy the lulav, hadas, and arava. You cannot purchase the esrog. In a Shemitah year, you cannot buy an esrog. You could buy a lulav, hadas arava, you can't buy an esrog. Okay. What's the difference? Cliffhanger. Yeah, we have to wait for the Gemara. We have to wait for the Gemara. Fascinating Gemara. That there's different times for different produce that they take on Kedushas Shemitah. Alright? But let's review the Mishnah, short Mishnah. When you purchase produce from an Amaaretz, Alulab, Adasim, and Aravas, you could do that, but you can't give money for the Esrik. The Esrik has to come as a Matana, a gift. You can't do commerce with the Esrik. Because an Esrik is not permitted to be brought during Shemitah. Alright. Let's see the Gemara. The Mishnah had said, you buy the Lubadasim and Arava. The purchaser, the consumer, should then 
take the esrog as a gift. Says the Gemara, one second. You can't just take a gift. It has to be given to you. What is the halacha if the Amaretz, who's selling you the lulav, hadas, and arava, and then you say, okay, I'm going to pay for that, now give me the esrog as a gift. What if he says, no, sorry, sweetie, <laughs> I'm not giving you the esrog. Ravuna, Ravuna says, I'll tell you what you do. Little loophole over here. You say to the Amaretz, all right, I'll pay you $80 for the lulav, hadas, and arava, inflate the price of Lulav and swallow in the value of the Esrog, where I'm not really paying for the Esrog. I'm paying for the whole set, but I'm not paying for the Esrog directly. That's okay, too. And this way, you're not getting a, you know, it's still a gift, but the guy, the seller is going to be willing to do such a thing because the bottom line is he's, he's, uh, he's getting the full value. Says the Gemara of Elasiv Lebehevya. Why do you got to swallow up the value of the Esrog? What is that? What type of loophole is that? If you're paying for it, you're paying for it. So just pay for it. If you don't think it's just pay for it. I mean, isn't that the same thing? Says the Gemara, no. You can't do that. You're not allowed to give value of, of, uh, of produce to somebody who doesn't know how to handle the holiness of that money, like we explained when we introduced the mission. The only option is swallow up the value of the lulav asmanarava. This way, you're not giving him any money that holds sanctity of Shemitah. We'll see why the money for lulav asmanarava don't have sanctity of Shemitah. We'll see why. But suffice it to say, there's no sanctity of Shemitah. The guy's not losing out because the money of the Esrik is going to be inflated inside the lulav asmanarava. And you can't say that it's up for the Esrog, because then you're giving the Amaretz money for the Esrog, which has Kedusha, and you're not allowed to give holy money to an Amaretz, the Tanya, because we learned in the Brayseh, the most value you're allowed to give to an Amaretz when you purchase Shemitah is enough to have food for three meals. Because this way, you know that he's not going to be taking the money and putting it into stocks. He's not putting it into a savings account. Where it has holiness, and then he's going to want to use it for business after Shemitah. You could give him up to three meals worth of value because you know he's going to, he could use it for breakfast, lunch, and supper, and that's it. Or Friday night, Sudha, Shabbos, Day, Sudha, and Shalashuddhas. And if a person did give an Amaaretz money more than three meals, you know what you're obligated to do? You have to say, Yaymar, you got to say, you got to take your own fruit inside your own house and say, you know what, the $50 that I gave to the Amharitz for the Esrig, the $50 that I gave more than the value of three meals, that holiness should be transferred off of money into this non-Shemitah produce, and then you treat that produce as Shemitah. But you're obligated to make sure that the Kedusha of Shemitah, you don't need to get the guy's permission. I guess it's al-Zachal al Shleib However, it's working over here, Right? But you're going to take that money, or your uh, uh, discussions, conversations, how, how uh, you go about doing this, but you're still mukhlif. You're obligated to make sure that the holiness of Shemitah is dealt with correctly. And then, top line of Ahmed Bey's, you come and eat the produce in your home with, and treat it with the proper Kedushas Shemitah. And when do we say when do we say that you're allowed to buy from an Amaretz 
up to three meals value. The like keach mufkar. When you purchase it from mufkar. Now mufkar usually means hefkar. Here it doesn't mean hefkar. Here it means when you know that the Amha'aretz leaves his land fallow and unlocked. You know that the way that, it's not that it wasn't his produce that grew on his land. That's not what, it, that's not what uh, mufkar here means. It could be his land. But you know that the Amha'aretz didn't lock it up. A Shemit, you're not allowed to lock up your land from other people taking. Okay? So if you know that the Amha'aretz treated the land right, and then is going ahead and selling the minimal produce, the dalad minim, up to three meals value, you're allowed to purchase it. I'm a shumer. But if you know that this guy, this Amharitz, is protecting his land, yeah, and he's not letting people just go take, then any amount, you're not allowed to buy from him. You know why? Because why is he protecting this stuff? It must be he plans on doing serious business with it. It's chazaka. Status tells us that, hey, what are you doing? Like, something's off. And you're not just doing business for three meals. The same way you want three meals from me. You're getting three meals from, uh, from Yanko. Getting three meals from the next guy. And therefore, if, it's, uh, if the guy's got a fence around this field, I'm protecting it, even three meals, I'm not allowed to do because I'm causing him to do more business with Shemitah, which he's not allowed to do. Okay? But up to three meals. And an unpro- from an unprotected field, you're allowed to do business transactions. If there's any shyness over here, stop me. Okay, any questions over here? If there's any lack of clarity, please stop me. Moshev Rav it's kind of a new idea. Rav Sheish has a challenging question. Is it true? That when the field is, is uh, not protected, I'm allowed to purchase up to three meals alone? Three meals only? That's a contradiction. There's all the different types of growths and plants and brushes and, and fruits and vegetables which have no value. Uh, no value, minimal value. They're not, uh, they don't have much value to them. Okay? So all these things, you're not obligated to uh, to take miser, okay? It's considered uh, it's considered hefker in general. You don't need to tithe the produce of these things that uh, that grow on your land. And also, vinikachem you're allowed to buy them from anybody. It seems any amount during shemitah. You know nobody's putting a fence around these wild growing vegetables, plants, uh, so on and so forth. It's permitted to do business during Shemitah. Now, are we limited to three meals? It doesn't say so. So ask Rav Shesha, why are you telling me that whenever something is not protected? You could purchase it up to three meals by all these plants and, and growths and vegetables. It says, uh, since they don't, they're not chashuv and people don't protect it, you could buy it. It doesn't say you're limited to three meals. Why not? Limit them to three meals. And he say, he, so he asks this question, he gives the answer. He says, no, maybe taka does mean three meals. And <laughs> Maybe it just means that when we say, even though it doesn't say explicitly, all right, but we mean the amount that he needs to eat for the next day. That we're talking only dealing with, even by these non uh these non-important, so to speak, growths, these cheaper, inexpensive growths, you're still only allowed to sell uh, during Shemitah for the value of one day, the value of three meals. Now, my mashma, the high mon, how do you know mon 
is referring to three meals. It's referring to the person's sustenance for the day. Um, the, the king of Babel gave meals to his soldiers. He gave them daily money. Okay? He prepared meals for them. And over here it's referring to the amount of food that a person needs for three meals. Says the Gemara. Okay, so we have that klar so far. Period. We have that klar. Right? We just clarified is the halachas of Shemitah. Why the, you can't pay outright for an esrug. And also, even what you're allowed to purchase, it's limited to a value of three meals. And it, you have to know that it came from an unprotected field. Meaning the Amaretz did not do anything inappropriate in how he handled the Shemitah. Okay. Now let's ask, which the Gemara is about to do, the obvious question. If you're not allowed to do business with Shemitah produce, why are we saying, purchase your Lulav, Hadas, and Arava from an Amaretz, but you can't purchase the Eser? Why can't you purchase an Eser? And any reason why you can't purchase an Eser should also tell me you can't purchase a Lulav, Hadas, and Arava. And if I'm allowed to, and look at it the other way, if I'm allowed to purchase a lulav adasarabah, I should be allowed to purchase an esrit. What's the, what's the difference between the branches, the lulav adasarabah, and the esrit? So now we're going to get on to a, another interesting halacha about when growths take on the holiness of Shemitah. Listen to this, very interesting. Ask the Gemara. Ihachi. If it's true that you're allowed to spend money on the lulav hadas and arava for three meals, lulav nami, and esrog no, so lulav nami, we should say that you can't even purchase a lulav. Can't purchase an esrog, can't purchase a lulav. Answer the Gemara, lulav barshishis hanichnas l'shviyasi. The lulav that is taken in a Shemitah year, when Sukkot falls on a Shemitah year, really is considered a sixth-year growth. And it doesn't have Kedusha Shemitah. Yet is, we're assuming that the Lulav, let's say, is cut before Sukkot, right, right, of the Shemitah year. We're saying, though, that, okay, you cut it before Sukkot in the Shemitah year, but it really grew mostly before Shemitah, and therefore, it's called the sixth year lulav, but that's why you're allowed to buy it. Says Gemariachi, if so, Esrik Nami Barshis Nechlishviyasi, say the same thing about an Esrik. Think an Esrik grew in two weeks between Roshan of Shemitah and Sukkot? Come on. That ain't how it works. Answer the Gemara, Esrik Basar Lakita Azlima. It's not a matter of how it grew when it comes to an Esrik. An Esrik takes on its Kedusha when you pluck it off the tree. And therefore, if the Esrik is picked off the tree during a Shemitah year, it's going to have Kedusha Shemitah. I, which we're going to assume right now is not going to apply to Alulav. Let's see why. But according to Rebbe Gamliel and according to Rebbe Liazel, they say when it comes to Hilcha Shemitah of an Esrik, we follow when it started to grow, when the fruit started to come out, and not the Lakita. We're saying, oh, an Esrik is going to be picked the funeral, so, so that has Kedusha, Lulav not. Says, one second. 
Rabbi Gamaliel and Rabbi Lezer hold that you follow the initial growth of the Esrik, not the, not the uh, picking. The Tanah, we learned in the Mishnah, Esrik, Shavali'ilam, Mishleishet, Rachim. An Esrik is like a tree with three halachas, Uli Yarek, Bederech, Echad. And it's like a vegetable in a different way. Shavali'ilam, Mishleishet, Rachim. How is an Esrik similar to other fruits of a tree? La Arla. The, you're obligated in Arla, right? The first three years of growth, forbidden to benefit. And the halachas of Netar Revai, that it's allowed to be eaten in Yerushalayim. Lost the place, I'm sorry. Ulushviyas. And as far as Hilcha it has the halacha of a regular tree. And the same way, Rashi kicks in over here and explains this, the same way by a regular tree, the, a, a fruit of a tree, it takes on Hilcha when it starts to grow, so to an Esrit. Not the picking. Uli Yarak and how is an esrik similar to a yarak? We turn to the top of tomorrow's daf. Shabbashas liki tosa yisurei. Okay, that you you, uh, you you know you're obligated in meiser at the time that you pick it. Then the same way as vegetables. Dibir gamliel, divinir bev gamliel. Rebbe Lazar, esrik shavliyim lecholdover. It's always like a tree. Oh, but what's the bottom line over here? What's the kasha? We have explicitly that everybody involved, Rebbe Liazar, Rebbe Gamliel, hold that in esrik you follow its beginning of the growth, not the picking. So we're back to square one. We're back to our question. Why can I not purchase an Ezra during a Shemitah year before Sukkot? There's no Kedusha Shemitah. It didn't grow in the last two weeks. It, grew, it started growing last year. Granted, I plucked it a week before Sukkot, but who cares? If it takes on Kedusha at the time it started to grow, that's where I am right now. Beautiful, beautiful Kasha. We're back to our question. What, why an Ezra again is dip, why is dipping on Luluf? Answer the Gemara, who Domarki Atan. Tan of our Mishnah holds like a different opinion. The Tanya Amr Abyasi says, Avtomus Hayyim Mishum Khamish the Kenim, Avtomus gave testimony in front of Khamish the Kenim, Esrig Akhar Lakito the Miser, that an Esrig follows the picking, the plucking of the tree when it comes to Miser. It applies to Shviyas as well. Shviyas Mandakar Shmei, who's talking about. Shemitah in that conversation where they said, he said, oh, as far as Meiser in Esrig is like, you follow the picking. And they said, oh, Meiser and Shemitah. Who's talking about Shemitah? Why are you bringing in a new conversation? Last step for today. What he really said was, he spoke about Shemitah. And he said, in Esrig, you follow the Chanata, the beginning of the, I'm sorry, you follow the um, uh, picking the Lakita, when it comes to Miser, and after the beginning of the growth, when it comes to Shemitah. However, Rabbi Seinu Nimnu Bushav Amru, no, Eshek Basa Lakita, Bein the Miser, Bein the Shviyas. And therefore, the time of our Mishnah holds like this testimony of Avtomis, holds like the testimony of Avtomis, that in Eshek Yutaka do follow the picking, and since it follows the picking, our Mishnah holds, you're not allowed to spend money, to, you're not allowed to give money to the Amaretz for the Esrit, because it takes on the Kedusha Shemitah, as opposed to Lulav, Hadas, and, Ar- and Arava, where, you fa- where it's not like, uh, where it's not like um, vegetables. That's going to follow the Kedusha of the sixth year, hence, you're allowed to pay for that outright without any sort of, uh, without any sort of uh, uh, having to deal with the Kedusha Shemitah. Okay, we'll hold it over here for today, and Bezhen, we will pick up from here tomorrow uh, evening. Mincha this week is at 7.35. So we will pick up an hour before Mincha at 6.35 p.m. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, everybody.